Chase to the baseline. Corner bounce, Thon Baker squares up and goes, and it goes! Thon Baker with 16.7 seconds to play, rips the net. Wow. With a triple, and he puts the Pistons up 125 to 122. And Reggie Jackson is the guy who helped make this play. Being chased by a series of Hawks, he takes care of it, he finds the right guy, and Thon Baker gets his third three-point make of this game. And From his favorite spot. That was Thon Maker hitting the game winner, the new Piston acquired at the trade deadline. Pistons winners of seven of their last eight. They're in the playoff hunt. They're the seventh seed, a half game behind the Nets for the sixth seed. Welcome to Views from the Sideline, February 26th, 2019. I'm a happy guy. Pistons are playing well. Joey is not because the Pistons are playing well. I'm not sure about Malik. We we need to put a side by side video of Joey being happy about the Lions <laughs> and you being mad. You being happy about the Pistons and him being mad. It just it's, see how they are exactly the same but in different seasons. Different teams. Yes. It's it's so funny oh, seeing man. The, the differences between the Lions and the Pistons with you two. It's amazing. It's because I don't know why, but Joey, <laughs> Joey just has some false hope for the Lions when they have no success in their history. Even though you have false hope for the Pistons? One ring, two rings, three rings. Yeah, when was the last ring? When was the last ring for the Lions? It doesn't even... like 1950? I don't know. <laughs> Anyways, welcome to the show. It's Views from the Sideline. I'm Chris Pappas. Across the table from me, not very happy. It's Joey Tysick. Right next to me, Malik Hill. be back. Back at Another it. Another week. Another week. Yeah, it's been, we got a packed show today. Uh, Michigan, Michigan State happened on Sunday. Zion Williamson has been in the news since last week. Pistons playing hot. Lakers and LeBron struggling. We'll get all into that. But we got to start with the biggest news from the weekend. Michigan State upsets Michigan in Ann Arbor. MSU won 77-70. It was a close game throughout. Michigan State kind of held on to the lead for the most part throughout the game, but pulled away at the end. They took the lead 54-53 with 10-13 left in the game, held on to it. Malik, you are the Michigan fan in the room. I want to get your first impressions from this letdown by the Wolverines basketball team. Before I get into my first impressions, I just want to say the fact that this rivalry is getting to the point where it's like – I think it's like right behind. At this point, it's it's behind North Carolina and Duke for like this the most competitive, second best rivalry in the country. Like this, these two programs. You think it's the second best rivalry in the country behind Duke and North Carolina? Right now, yes. the comp- the The level of success, the competitiveness, the level of coaching, the players. I mean, Tom Izzo and John Beeline will have this rivalry going very strong for a long time. So. I think they both deserve credit for that right now, how, where they have these programs at. So now we, we got some. <laughs> Joey, Joey is just. I want you to adjust my headset like very slightly. I'm just getting. Joe, I'm, I'm trying to listen to what Malik's saying. Oh, Joey's just giving me this. All right. Well, adjust the headphone. It's, it's fine now. Don't worry right. about it. Go ahead. We're good? I guess. We, we until good? Jo- until, until Joey tells me something else. Go ahead. All right. So. <laughs> First impressions, first impressions after the game, 
I am worried, but also at the same time, not extremely worried because why wouldn't you be extremely worried? Michigan because Michigan they struggled over their they're four and three in their last seven. After a team that started off so impressively, yes. Why wouldn't why would you not be worried? My worry is that they peaked too early and they've already played their best and basketball. I, and but, I think that is what the case. But the even if they peak too early, this is still a really good basketball team that can make a run in March because they're John John Beeline always gets the best out of it, the best out of his guys from the conference tournament on lately. And this could be a different team, but until it doesn't happen, John Beeline has that track record of getting them going. So you're around, just around basing March. your opinion off of the track record, not the current team. Usually going usually around this part of the season, I'm never confident in the team, but they always just go up another level. But this is one of the this is the first team John Beeline has had where defense is the focus. Three point shooting is one of the like is far back behind in what the focus is, even though they take a lot of threes. Talking and about defense, we said last week Xavier Simpson has to play lock- lockdown defense on Cassius Winston. Xavier is one of the best perimeter defenders Michigan has. He did not play well defensively. Cassius Winston lit him up 27 points, eight assists, two steals. That was really the change in the game is Cassius had his way. The pick and roll took Xavier almost out of the game defensively. Yeah, with the pick and roll, Cassius got open shots. He was, he was able to wheel and deal at will. The thing with MSU that I'm worried about when it comes to March is, are they going to have enough left in the tank? Cassius played all the entire game. He's going to have to for them to make these. They to, can't to play Foster. They cannot play Foster lawyer. They can he, only play him like two or three minutes at the if most. That, if that, when it comes to March, you can't play him barely any. Uh, maybe put him in the corner just to space the floor a little bit, yeah. but that's really it. But, yeah, from the Michigan standpoint, I think it's time for some changes to be made. Like what? John Beeline, he has never had a team like this where Jordan Poole, Iggy Brasdikas, Charles Matthews, those are three skilled shot creators in his starting lineup. He's never had a team like this where those three can just go create shots for themselves. So throughout the season, even in the beginning, even though they were running the offense effectively, there are times where he just sit back and let them do what they do because they're skilled and they could go get buckets. And for most of the season, that's what they've been able to do. I think he's he's gotten too lenient. He's become too comfortable. And they they just go completely out of flow with the offense because them three, especially Iggy as a freshman, he he's not taking very uh, unless it's a wide open three, even the layups he gets are contested a lot. He doesn't take the smartest shots. Whenever the offense isn't working, them three divert to I'll take the ball and I'll try to get a bucket. And a lot of times Charles Matthews usually takes smart shots, but a lot of times Jordan Poole, Iggy Brasdikas, they take difficult shots when they go ISO. So it's been less trust in the system, more. I have three guys that can get buckets. I'll just trust them, and that needs to change. Yeah. I think Iggy Brasdikas needs to become the sixth man. I think Isaiah Livers needs to start ahead of him at the four because Isaiah Livers, he's the one consistent three-point threat on that team. He shoots well. I think he's still shooting over 45% from three for the season. Whenever he comes in, he's almost automatic. If If you give him space, he's automatic. Taking Iggy off the court, that leaves Charles and Jordan as the two shot creators. They don't have to fight for anything. It's not three 
shot creators fighting for control of who can take over. It's just them two. When they get the ball, they can figure it out. I also think you need to play DeJulius more and give Eli Brooks less minutes because DeJulius is offense. He may not have a complete grasp of the offense right now, but in the Big Ten tournament, in the NCAA tournament, you need a guy that can come in and produce offensively, and Dave DeJulius can do that. Definitely. Uh, Along with running the offense. Yeah, and Joey, uh, I need to get your opinion on this. You kind of got – I can't – do you lean more state or do you lean Uh, more Michigan? I only lean Michigan because of D-line. Other than that, I could kind of care less. Izzo outcoached him in this one. Whichever team uh, Great. plays better. All those injuries they season. have, Izzo outcoached them. So, so I, I love it when both the teams are playing well. So what was your take from this one, Joe? What do you take from MSU going into Ann Arbor and really taking complete control of that game? They were they had the lead for the last 10 minutes and went on the road. Yeah, it was a good win for Michigan State. Uh, they kind of played like we thought they might without Nick Ward. Uh, Kenny Goings had a really good game. And again, the problem with Michigan... The, the guy he, that I keep looking to is Charles Massey. He was one of eight in this game. He keeps he's he had been no struggling. rebounds. One assist. The last few the last four games before this, he's been playing really good. So I, I feel like Charles Matthews. He plays really good and then he falls off. That happens. A he lot. has bad timing with his when he has his falling off. I feel like most of the games he struggles in are the ones with the big moments. Although North Carolina, he played great. The whole team played great in that one. All, yeah. That was early in the season when they were playing. That was a long basketball. time ago. That was a long yeah. time ago. Um, you bring up Kenny Goins. 16 points, 11 rebounds, 3 of 9 from deep. He's the X Factor. He is the X Factor, yes. And he controls the glass. That was, the honestly, I think his biggest impression on that game is how well he controlled the defensive glass. Really secured possessions for MSU. Um, so they could get going on their in their transition offense. I want to bring this up to you, Malik, and then I'll get Joey's opinion on it. Um, Michigan's, in my opinion, falling right now. I mean, from what they started the beginning of the year, now they've only won four in their last seven, losing to Penn State, unranked. Uh, who else did they lose to? Wisconsin, unranked. MSU, that's a that's a good. I mean, it's not a good loss, but it's at least a team ranked in the top ten. Does this Michigan team remind the basketball team remind you of the Michigan football team when it comes to starting out so strong and having such high expectations? Well, the, to at the end of the year falling flat. The Michigan basketball team they didn't have high expectations going into the season. But once they started, Even, but once with, they started with, so high with the strong start, people knew they were one of the top teams in the country. That was yeah, that was a thing. That's nobody not, nobody expected them to come out at that level, which everybody. Everybody knew they wouldn't sustain that. Nobody sustained that. Well, to be fair, to be fair, people had high expectations for Michigan football coming in. I understand that, but not as high of expectations from what they started to. They started the season really well and really got the nation behind them, saying, "Oh, this could be the year Michigan actually gets to the college football playoff." That wasn't the case. They built up that hype from the beginning of the season, building on success after some big wins, which I think Michigan basketball has done as well. They didn't have the preseason expectations as Michigan football, but I think there's some correlation there. Would you agree or no? I would agree a little bit from the standpoint that they're, they've built expectations from their play early in the season, yeah. But I think it's different because Beeline is a proven factor in all of this. John, you don't think Harbaugh is a proven factor? At Michigan, no. 
Okay. That, that Michigan Harbaugh's he hasn't gotten he hasn't gotten to the Big Ten championship, so he he hasn't proven anything yet. Beeline has won Big Ten tournaments. He's won the Big Ten. He's gotten to two national championships. He's gotten there. So with a start like this, a Beeline team has never had a start like this, so it was a surprise. So even if his team has a slight fall off, which most seasons his team has a skid where they lose games that people don't think they should lose. When March comes around, they turn it around. They make a bit of a run. It's been his thing. So I can see a little bit of correlation, but not totally because of the, yeah, the coaching difference. And Definitely. Joe, what's your opinion on that? Mm, I think I, I kind of agree with Malik in a way where, like, Michigan football team, too, we don't we kind of took it for granted too when the time that it was happening. Their football schedule wasn't as hard as as we thought it yeah as we as thought it, it would be really was. And Michigan basketball they've had some very quality wins this season, so I don't think that it's necessarily the same fall off per se, but it is still a concern that you know you start so hot and then you're kind of falling off when games start to matter a little bit more, especially in a rivalry game like this against Michigan State. With them shooting such a bad three-point percentage in this game, I think Jordan Poole was two of eight. Uh, Xavier Simpson, two of seven. He should never be shooting seven threes in a game, no matter what Malik says. And uh, he shouldn't be the leading scorer. That's that's just a... It's not that I he can't, it's not that he can't that. do it, but it that's not how this if, offense should work. If his game is going, he can be the leading scorer. But, of course, there will be times where... The teams leave him open, and Beeline wants him to take that shot. That's the thing. Because because teams know that if if he beats you, that means that most of the other guys aren't because he's supposed to be the facilitator. And this team is built on depth. And the the biggest problem that I had in this game is that they I feel like they need to dump it to Teske more often because he's proven this year that he can play really well and in meaningful minutes and his offensive game is very much improved and I think that these Michigan wings need better open looks like Malik said a lot of them are trying to create shots too much kind of forcing up bad looks they're not trusting the offense they're still young guys I think they need to get it down to Teske draw a little attention off of them get better looks and then that will open up the whole offense to so many other things then That'll allow Xavier Simpson to get to the basket. They can do these little pick-and-pop type of things with Teske, and I think it just creates more offense in general. And I think that's, like, the big concern right now is how they're going about their offense. And Malik kind of talked about it where, you know, they have all these guys that are somewhat ball-dominant. I mean, they're good at sharing the ball, but they can kind of have these little segments where they're just trying to create something out of nothing almost. And that's the big concern. Yeah. I mean, I kind of have to agree with Joe on that one. Um, Continuing to talk about MSU. They move into sole possession of first place in the Big Ten. They're ranked now number six in the country. They hop over Michigan, who's now ranked, I believe, 10. It's nine or 10. I think it's 10. Um, Was this a statement win for MSU? Was this their big statement win of the year? I think it definitely is. People, right after the game, everybody was talking about how gritty that win was and how how time is really he's, – he's getting back to the basics, the fundamentals of what made him a great coach and what made his team so great. It's not based on superstars. It's not based on the five-star players. 
it's about taking the players that you have, putting them in your system, guys that fit your system, guys that play hard, play together, no matter what, no matter who's injured, you trust guys to hit shots, you trust guys to rebound, everybody plays their part, everybody's in the right place, you play hard defense, you run the offense, you do what needs to be done to win. That is what a Tom Izzo team usually is. In the past few years, they've gotten a, a little bit away from that, pretty much like going on the potential of star power. Yeah. So, yeah, Tom Izzo is getting back to what makes his program what it is. Yeah, and definitely. Yeah, that's uh, that's what it is. Michigan, in my opinion, I think squandered a big opportunity to show they were the real deal closing out the season and heading into the Big Ten tournament. Would you agree with that, Joe? Yeah, for sure. This This should have been... Not necessarily a cakewalk because obviously it's a rivalry game. People are going to play hard. Cassius Winston is still healthy. We've said Nick Ward at the at times has been back and forth where he's been really good, and then there's been times where he hasn't been as much. So this should have been an easier victory than you know if Michigan State was at their full strength, and they just came out flat and it didn't look good. So it and it it really hurts their chances at um. This Big Ten tournament is just gonna—it's just gonna hurt them. They could have walked away with a very good lead in the Big Ten and set themselves up really nicely. Malik, do you expect Michigan to finish finish the season out strong? Uh, the rest of their season—they only have three games left in the regular season. They play at home against Nebraska, at Maryland, who's 17 in the country right now, and then at MSU. Do they finish this season out strong? Or they kind of limp into the tournament. Speaking of similarities to Michigan football, I think they will look. I think they'll look good to really good against the average competition, and I think when the competition raises, I think things might start changing. Unless John Beeline makes some changes, like I don't know if he's gonna go with the delivers Iggy thing, or he is playing David Julius. I hope he plays him even more, but. If he doesn't make changes, I don't know if I don't know if he's gonna keep having so much confidence in these guys in his starting five to just figure it out without him controlling what's happening. Because trusting the system is a key part of that offense. Of course guys go off script and create when they need to. But if you don't trust that system, it's gonna get ugly and there's just gonna be shots chucked up and it could get out of hand fast so it is it's it's gonna be a weird thing to see i don't think it's gonna be a complete fall off or they just take off i think it'll be an up and down thing and and honestly that that doesn't help either going into the tournament yeah um march 9th in east lansing does michigan get revenge i honestly think they will well of course you're gonna say that you're a michigan fan (laughs) I'm just supposed to say they don't. I mean, yeah, be realistic. <laughs> I can't be realistic. In, I'm just supposed to say I'm MSU a, sweeps both. Yeah, because that's what's going to happen. Being being realistic. What's so my version of real? Okay, Malik, we'll just <laughs> just just wait till the Pistons segment, okay. and we'll exactly. remind Chris right. about being realistic. <laughs> I'll get, you're going to get your chance. Trust me. I think Michigan comes out differently in that okay. game because Beeline knows what's coming now. He knows they can't play that same way. 
and that MSU won't let up, and they're going to play a certain type of way of basketball. So I think it'll be a different result. Joey? I would like to say yes. But you're a realist. But I'm not sure. I'm really <laughs> not sure. Realist. Because, you know, Cassius Winston was obviously the big catalyst in this game for Michigan State, as he's been all season. And I don't expect him to put up 27 again. Not that he can't. But that combination of Cassius having a super good game and Michigan shooting really poorly from the three-point line again, I just don't see it happening. But you never know. When you're in East Lansing, the crowd there is pretty crazy. It's another rivalry game to finish off the season, most likely to determine who's number one in the Big Ten at the end. And it's going to be a good game. I'm, I'm excited for it, but I'm a little bit nervous for it. And I don't, I'm not sure, too. I almost want Michigan to lose. I want Michigan to take risks now. Like Malik's talking about changing the lineup. You can't do that during tournament time. Because if, if you start taking risks in the tournament like that at least, it's going to throw everything off, and it could really hurt you. you got to do it right now if you're going to start doing that kind of thing and playing different lineups and maybe pushing Iggy to the six-man role or something. Maybe that lights a fire into him, and then he can start once we get back to the tournament and we can see you know, a rekindling of what we saw earlier on in the season. That's kind of what I'm hoping. I almost want them to lose at this point because before I was like, okay, let's keep riding this high and try to just win out as much as we can. And now they've dropped a couple of these games. I almost want them to lose a couple more and realize you got to make changes. You can't just be so complacent with this team. They're not what they were a couple weeks ago, even that they need to get back to that kind of game. They need to believe in beeline. He's been there so many times before. He's one of the best coaches in the country at this point. And I think they just need to believe in the system. Like Malik said. Yeah. Uh, we got a lot. Eh, actually, we don't really have a lot of basketball left to play. Um, three more games for Michigan. Three more games for Michigan State. Then the Big Ten tournament, and then the big dance. So a lot more. I keep saying a lot more basketball. Not a lot more basketball. I mean, it is play. a lot more basketball, but not really. A lot we don't know how season. long of these exactly. teams basketball. Yeah. But uh, moving on, though, we got to talk some Zion Williamson after the show we had last week. That was recorded before. Duke versus North Carolina at Duke, where Zion Williamson had the shoe explosion heard around the world. The shoe exploded 33 seconds into the game. Zion strained his left knee, left, did not return, didn't play in the next game against Syracuse. What do you guys make of this whole situation? Everybody's saying how Zion should sit, should not play the rest of the year. I want to get your opinion on the matter, Malik. Well... Honestly, I I really don't I don't know whether he should sit out or whether he should play the rest of the year. All I can go with is what how Zion is as a person and the type of kid he is. Do you think the he type will of play another game? He is. Oh, he's most definitely gonna play. He's gonna play in the NCAA, in the ACC tournament. He's gonna play in the NCAA tournament. Like he said a few weeks ago, if he didn't want to play in the season, he wouldn't have gone to Duke. He would have just sat out a year or gone overseas for a That's year true. or something. So Zion, he he loves playing for Duke. He loves playing with RJ Barrett, Cam Reddish, those guys. He'll he'll be back in a few games. Joey, yeah, I don't I don't see him sitting out, and I don't know if you, you sit out, it it kind of throws up little red flags almost mentally. I know it's really weird because some teams will like say, oh well, you know he doesn't want to finish his season. He's playing it safe. 
Is that a concern? And then other teams are like, that's a good idea. We should maybe watch him, keep an eye on him. Maybe we can steal him in the draft. And it just throws things off for a loop. But I, I don't see him sitting. I think I think he wants to keep proving himself. I think he needs to, honestly. I think he, I think see, he I disagree with that. I don't think he needs to. I think if he didn't play another game at Duke, he'd still be the number one pick. There's too much hype around him. There's too much money around him for teams, a team that drafts him. The amount of merchandise that will be sold just by drafting this kid will be insane. And the revenue the team will get is just too much to pass up. Because at the end of the day, professional sports is a business and it's about making money. It's not about winning championships as much as people want to think. True. No, I, I agree with that. Um, but at the same time, like, if you want to play and you want to prove yourself and, you know, he, if he gets... if like he can get hurt his first day in the NBA and then be done. But he could he could play in the tournament, get hurt, still get drafted. I mean, look at Michael Porter Jr. But if he gets hurt again in the tournament, that's a red flag. If he gets another injury, but he'll still get drafted, right? I think so. Yeah. So it's kind of like that's where it just kind of becomes up to him. Like, what yeah. does he want to do? Does he want to be competitive and try to win a national championship? So you guys both think he will play? Most definitely. I so, think so. Do you think he should play, though, in your opinion? If you somehow miraculously got the decision to say, Zion, you're playing or you're not playing. If I was Zion Williamson. What do you do? If I was Zion Williamson, I'm playing. Because I love the sport of basketball. He loves those. He came to Duke for a reason. He, he, he likes playing with RJ. RJ and Cam are his best friends. It's, it's something... I, I can only say it simply. He 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 went to Duke for a reason. It's it's not much more than that. Well, to be honest. going to Duke helps his draft stock. Yeah, because if Exposure. you can dom- if you can dominate in the ACC on a Duke team, then Joey, you they know you're the real deal. If you try to go somewhere else, people start to question. Okay, well, you know maybe he's not ready for college. I mean, look at like even Thon Maker. Like people were concerned. Like what is how you can't. It's hard to judge talent. At different levels. I mean, we'll look at Markel Fultz. He played at Washington, and his draft stock was so high because he dominated. And then he gets to the NBA. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff that happened in the NBA, but he's he's mentally and even yeah, he's you, trying to rebuild Jack, his mind. You yeah. look at guys like Luka Doncic and stuff too. Like guy, all these European guys. There were people that always, thought he'd be a complete. It's always bust a big question. I don't know mark. who you're thought just, he was going to be a just bust. Not the, the, for you sure. Know, there, you know, there are still people that ride the don't draft a European train. That's just. <laughs> Small-minded. So if, it is. It, the hard thing is, though, like, like Chris said, the money. And, you know, people always try to say it's not about the money. It's about the love yes. of the game. There is a point where it's it is about, about the, the money. money. When you can tell yourself that you get drafted super high in the draft and that you are basically, as long as you're smart, set for life, so that's Joey, a, that's a big deal compared mm-hmm. to a national championship. So Joey, no matter how big of a competitor you are, to know that you are secure for the rest of your life potentially, I, that's and you a can pretty take big care deal. of your family, which you've worked so hard to put yourself into this position to do so. If you're Zion Williamson, Joe, are you sitting the rest of the season? I have no idea. Oh my. What a cop out! Because like like the comp- what a cop literally out. the competitor of me oh says my. I would play. It's not an easy decision, Chris. 
As much, I, mean, as much, I don't know. That's such a cover. That's why I said. That's the most I, disappointing I answer I could have Well, heard. the problem is we didn't get injured, so we don't know exactly. how his knee feels. I'm not feels. Zion. We I can only go by what feeling. he thinks. This is all theoretical, Joe. Okay, well, if I tore my ACL or something, yeah. If I was Zion Williamson, I'd transfer to North Carolina and play three more years. If I rolled my ankle, I'm playing the next day. Oh, my gosh. All right. What are Duke's chance, chances in the tournament in the rest of the season it, with Trey Jones? Potentially, I think he still potentially might be out for the year. Does that sound about right? Um, and we're still not exactly confirmed if Zion's going to come back. We still don't know that 100%. If there's no Trey Jones and no Zion Williamson, how far does Duke go? Not very far. Sweet 16? Because that means R.J. Barrett and Cam Reddish... You know, I think doing R- what they do. RJ Barrett really hurt his draft stock this year. He was the consensus number one pick preseason. Now he's likely number two. There's yeah, no, I, he he might be three <laughs> or four. He's nah, hurting. RJ Barrett's yeah. I don't. Two. I don't. I don't think he's falling below he's two. Listen, a few nights ago versus Syracuse, he shot thirteen, like fourteen of nineteen, and had like thirty six and eight. Because people in the NBA are just going to look at Ben Simmons. I know R.J. Barrett's not the, that big. He's not. But he's very similar. He's similar. And he shoots he's, better. He's he shoots better, but he's nowhere but near yeah, the not, playmaker. The athlete. He's not. Ben Simmons is an athlete. I think R.J. Barrett is an underrated the, athlete. The difference is. Un, you're right. You're right. The difference is, is Ben Simmons is 6'10", 240. <laughs> that's the difference. Yeah, right. That's the, what I mean. And the Ben size. Simmons has the physical Yeah, physical the, physical the physical attributes is what's different. R.J. is 6'6", 215, but he's still. Very athletic. He's he has more of an offensive game than Ben Simmons. Of course, he's Ben Simmons is a generational passer, almost on the level of LeBron. Nobody can touch that. Yeah, yeah. There are different things between them, but he's still a top three, probably number two pick in the NBA draft. We'll see. We'll see at draft time, which the Pistons won't be drafting that high because they are hot right now. In my opinion, they are playoff bound. It's time to start talking about the Pistons again, guys. We kind of took a little bit of a hiatus, talked about them very little because they were struggling. They've won seven of eight. They're the seventh seed in the Eastern Conference right now. Joey looks just so disturbed by what I'm saying. Look, they're they're beating the teams they're supposed to beat, and that's I'm Indiana happy about a, that. Indiana was tw- 20 games above. Indiana without Victor Oladipo, you're supposed to beat them. Good, but they were st- they still won eight of their last nine games heading into Detroit. Oh yeah, they they still have the pieces of a good But don't team. don't say don't say oh they should have beat Indiana. Indiana won 8 of their last 9, not coming off a of back-to-back. The Pistons played their third game in 4 nights. That's an impressive win. It is. You can't say it's not. Even though I know Joey will. Um <laughs> Joey, you don't I'll have pull, to look disheveled I, I know, and completely so discouraged. It's but here, <laughs> before you say anything, Joe, I want to pose this question to you because I'm actually really interested to hear your opinion on the matter. Have the Pistons turned a corner on their season after last night's win? Well, technically, yes, because they're playing better and they were playing awful before. So it's a it's a turning point. It's a corner. But is what is a, that? Is what is the end goal okay, of turning? Is it a corner? substantial turning point? No, because where no. does it get us? It gets us to the playoffs, a first round exit. You say that, but. No, it's I a first-round be- exit. Listen, I, believe, I believe the Pistons will make the playoffs and look really good in the first round. Thank you. And that will trick all of us into having hope. I have false hope already. It will trick every fooled. single one of us when they push a team to almost seven. You really seven think they're going to play the Bucs or the Sixers games. well? I'm yeah. not even worried. Not, it's not going to be the Sixers. Even the if Raptors. they don't push them to seven, 
they'll be competitive every game. The Pistons fans will be like, watch out next season. This is Dwayne Casey's second season. He has it under control. If it's if Blake it's and Andre looking good at the four and five. Reggie's looking good again. Oh yeah. I, I'm and. just happy Reggie's getting that <laughs> trade value up for this summer. He's looking okay. No, because then he's gonna be terrible again. He's gonna play it just like he did this season. You know, he played terrible up until the deadline, that's, and then after once it passes, listen, that's he's, a, he's been playing that's super assume, well after. That's the assuming he has more injury problems because he will. Yeah, that's. <laughs> oh, he will. Why watch him get hurt? Are you wishing injury on somebody? No. How dare you? Joe? Are you kidding me, <laughs> I'm Joey? I'm saying he's injury prone. Wow, he is. That's, that's a that's low point true. for you, Joe. That's a low point. Wishing injury on someone. What? You got anything to say for yourself? This team is just, you're just in so much trouble. Joe, you're such a hater. All I just right. don't get how you can be so happy with mediocrity. Because it doesn't matter what happens. Wait, 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 wait. Let's flashback <laughs> to the NFL season. That what did what did you just say? <laughs> say that again, Joey. <laughs> what did I say? <laughs> Repeat what you just said, please. How can you be satisfied with mediocrity? Go back a few months ago when he had positivity for the Detroit I've Lions told you season. Before, though. Now you repeat what he just said. <laughs> because you can say the exact same thing and worse about How the are Lions. you satisfied with mediocrity, Joe? <laughs> because I don't know enough about this football. This is Spider-Man pointing at Spider-Man. <laughs> That's what this is. Can that be the cover image Just of this Lions. episode? <laughs> That's what That's what this is. Okay, we can we can continue. We now. need to we need to make some art. But one Spider Man in a Pistons jersey, one in a Lions jersey, pointing at each other. Oh, okay, okay. Sorry. Side the problem is, <laughs> and all of it is that we're supposed to know basketball, so I can be hopeful in football because you know I don't I don't know enough. All right, and cop just, out it. And you know, <laughs> thank you. The cop Lions. Out answer, the Lions are also a meme team. A meme, a meme team? team. Yeah, they're a meme team. So since they're a meme team, they're okay for you to be satisfied by their mediocrity. Yeah. That is just the worst <laughs> take I've heard in a long time. Yeah. That's a terrible take. That's Joe. interesting. That's 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 interesting, man. You know, talk I just don't know well, how you can about... enjoy the Pistons being like you say that it's like your favorite team and you just enjoy yeah. seeing them get a first round exit year after year after year after year. Or not making the playoffs. That's, that's and, just, the, and just making the wrong move after wrong move after wrong that's move. That's the difference the thing. between me and Chris as Pistons fans. I, I will always love the Pistons deep down to my soul, but I, I, I can't watch them because I know it's not leading to anything. And because of what I saw when I was younger, I was spoiled. We were all spoiled. And while some fans are happy to <laughs> – Fan, there are a lot of fans that are happy to see the Pistons win right As now he points to me. and have all the hope, but I know it won't lead to much. So I, I can't get excited. I can't. It's good to see here's, them winning, but I can't. Here's get the way I look at it. Unfortunately, I'm not the ones make the one making the decision on what they do with their roster, which I should be, but I'm not. Unfortunately, all I can do is support my team. They're playing well. It's nice to see them playing well because as a Pistons fan, I haven't seen a playoff win in 11 years. And it I know might be longer. And I know this franchise all it wants, its main objective this season is to win one playoff game. I can tell you right now that's all Gorse wants from this season is to win one playoff game. 
which will set them back another 10 years. It, that's drastic. 10 years is a long time, Joey. I'm just saying. Okay, You're just so saying, but that's a How long is Blake Griffin on, How many more years is Blake Griffin on contract? Three years after this one. Three more years. So after Blake is gone, and Andre probably doesn't want to be in Detroit anymore, and Reggie Jackson isn't the same. Well, Reggie won't be here by then. I would hope Reggie Jackson is gone by that he's time. Expiring con- going, he's last year's next year. Going by setting back 10 years. At least three or four years after Blake is gone. We'll have a bunch of these second round draft <laughs> what, picks. What that hope? Are nothing. Will there be? These late first round picks that have no talent and we have no That's development. What, this, this buffer of three to four years of the Blake Griffin experiment. It's fun. It's a. It's a fun. It's, it's a, a. It's a fun era because Blake Griffin is really the best piston, in the best piston since Grant Hill. Singular player. These three years are pretty much a novelty act. That's what I'll say. I kind of actually like it's, that. I like that take because I kind act. of agree with you. It's a novelty act to try to trick yeah. fans back into supporting a team that is kind of. I draw comparisons to, not when the Hawks were the one seed, but when the Hawks were. Battling with Josh Smith, a lower tier team that always made the playoffs, always was competitive, or the Brooklyn Nets that had Darren Williams, Joe Johnson. Ironically, Joe Johnson played for both of those teams, but um, just that middle of the road mediocrity, just to get fans excited, just to fill the arena, create some sort of buzz, to create some sort of revenue, so the Pistons are not the laughing stock when it comes to the exactly. business side of things, because they are. They are the lowest uh, attendance team in the NBA by an astounding number. It's not even close from 29 to 30. So Tom Gores is just waving Blake Griffin at the Detroit fans saying, look what we have yeah. for this little bit of time. And we're going to move to Detroit and it's all going to be awesome. He thought the move to Detroit was going to change. The only thing was is going to change and bring fans back is winning. It's just how this city is. The moves this, this is not a basketball city. The moves he's making are not piston like. He's, no. he's not making pistons moves. Everything he's done, it doesn't fit with this franchise. Maybe that's why I really can't get behind them as much anymore. Uh, Moving from Auburn Hills broke my heart. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't hate it, but at the, right I, now that was not a good decision. It was too quick. It happened too fast. They went from. Uh, there was no news about them moving to Detroit the opening night prior to Little Caesars Arena opening. So it was a very quick move. Yeah, there, there was sudden. talk originally that they were going to move a year after the yeah. Red Wings. So after the opening season, then they were going to yeah. move. And then all of a sudden they decided, no, we should just move right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, let's keep going on the Pistons here. They've won seven of eight now. I believe that Pacers win was kind of a statement win. It was a very edgy game. If you did watch it, there was a lot of technicals. Uh, there was a couple flagrant fouls. Drummond actually showing some emotion in a positive way when it comes to actually caring about I basketball. I also take that with a grain of salt. I understand. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. He, yeah. uh, that I, game, it's good to that, see. It's good yeah, to it's see. Good I'm to not see. saying he's gonna be like that the rest of the way. I'm saying it was a good sign. Um, Blake is Blake. That's not anything you can knock. He's been a stud this season. He has surpassed anybody's expectations of what he was going to be this year. You cannot deny that. Casey deserves credit because is why it, I, I why does Casey about Blake's success? I don't think 
Blake Griffin isn't the reason why this team is playing so great. Blake was getting his numbers even when they looked horrible. I think K- I think what I think they're buying into what Casey is telling them, and they're playing like a team finally. And those that stretch where they were losing games and they looked awful, it looked like they just didn't want to. They didn't want to play together. They didn't want to be anything. They make a few moves. I honestly they, think the Thon Maker move is a tiny turning point in the year, just because it added a slightly more depth on that front line. Now they don't have to play John Lure, who is an absolutely terrible basketball player. Somehow he forgot how to play basketball, and they actually have someone that can give you some minutes on the front line that doesn't have rocks for hands and Zaza Pachulia as well. So I think that was a big move to actually get someone that's actually a playable in the rotation. Remember that early season Zaza Pachulia prediction? I don't. What was it? What was it? Oh, man, I wish we had the clip because I don't remember exactly what you said either, but I told you Zaza wouldn't do much. Oh, I said he was the Ka- <laughs> I said he was the Kawhi stopper or whatever. Watch what Zaza does, the Kawhi stopper. Yeah, I was yeah. I was happy about that. Um, <laughs> oh, it's also amazing, too, that Jose Calderon doesn't play anymore. That's been a huge Fantastic. factor. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Addition by subtraction. Well, that's because, I mean, we finally have healthy point guards. Yeah. Oh, but we got to talk about Luke Kennard. He's playing so well offensively, shooting 50% from deep in his last eight games. He's actually playing well defensively. He's had a couple of really nice steals, playing some solid on-ball defense. And if Luke can give you that many points off the bench and actually play passable defense on the perimeter, it changes the whole lineup for this Pistons team because you can get away with playing Luke longer because he's not getting beat defensively. What What have you guys seen from Luke over the last eight? This is what I saw early in the season last year. Where he looks like he's playing mad. It seems he's like got an edge to him. Last year at the beginning of the season, he seemed more defensively engaged. He was in attack mode. He was playing good basketball. And then it just seemed to fall off with the whole Stan Van debacle and that whole team just falling apart. This season begins pretty much the same team at, with, at, with Blake Griffin added. And it, I, you could tell he, he was angry with where this team was. But... Now we're later into the season. He's probably more comfortable with Casey. The whole team is getting into a groove. And They're we, comfortable with each other, and Luke is getting confident because I'm sure Casey believes in him. Well, he, think, knows, he knows Luke is offensively talented, Yeah, and all it takes is some motivation and knowing that you, you can win. Luke has been winning his entire life. Losing is something he's not used to. So when you get into a groove and you start winning games like that, that rises your confidence, that makes you play harder. Makes you just better overall. I think Casey kind of lit a fire under Luke Kennard, too. Remember that time? I think it was right after the new year. Pistons were out west. They played in Sacramento. They got crushed. Luke Kennard had a blow-up against a couple assistant coaches. Looked like he had a disagreement with Dwayne Casey. Since then, it seems like Luke kind of developed that I-don't-care attitude. I'm going to go for mine. I'm going to go out shooting. And I think that, that has, honestly, that is the type of player he should be because he's. That, I agree with you. He's he that was good way of a too shooter. passive prior to. He's that good and of way a too much just sit in the corner and let, let the offense come to him when he's playing off the bench. He's not. He's not a star player yet. He's not a role player. He wasn't at the time an established role player yet. So for Luke to be so passive, it just did not benefit the Pistons whatsoever. Dwayne Casey got into him. All of a sudden, Luke has this edge to him. That really kind of fits the Detroit mold. If he can keep this going, I could definitely see the Pistons fan base buying into Luke. He should be more. a 14, 15 point per game score. In his career, I agree. 
he has the ability to be that. Yeah, especially in today's NBA where you can't touch anybody and you can shoot threes. Yeah. That's what it is. Um, Don Maker, I want to get your opinion on this, Joe. You've been kind of quiet here because you have nothing to say. Oh, I I love the Luke talk. Um, he's one of my shining spots for the Pistons. I think Thon Maker's a shining spot as well. I think he's looked good. He's filling his role well. His, like, en- well, his energy like is what I love. That's the biggest thing. He provides energy off the bench. He plays like he wants to be there, yes. and, he, and he wants to play basketball. And he will leave it all out on the yeah. court. He's not going for points like points or stats like a Stanley Johnson was. It, when, when his offensive game fell off, he'd just, he'd just be out of the game. Yeah. What's your take on Thon Maker so far, though, Joe? I think he's played good. I, I, like we said before, you know, making that deal was pretty low-risk, high-reward. So far, we're getting rewarded for it. We'll have to see what happens when, you know, maybe he struggles in a couple games or, you know, kind of has a, a falling off like we saw with Stanley where, you know, in the playoffs, Stanley was super good. And, you know, we thought, okay, he's going to be a bright spot for this future. And he turned out to be kind of a dud. Thon Maker right now is looking really good. How long he'll keep that up? I'm hoping for a while. I hope that he can keep it going. He's a young talent. He stretches the floor. Gives you a different kind of option that we don't have. So, I mean, I, I think he's he's working out. I think it helps. And it just adds kind of that, almost that defensive guy that we don't really have. Um, you know, Blake and Andre, they're they're more offensively. And Zaza's not a shot blocker. Yeah. Um, I know we're going to keep talking about this throughout the next couple of weeks, but as of right now, are you buying into the Pistons and the playoffs, Joey? Are you buying into are, that they're going to be there? Those are like two separate questions. I'm not, I'm not buying into the Pistons, but I do think at this point they'll make the playoffs. Do you think they'll sneak in as like the eighth seed? I like how you separated that. Yeah, because yeah. I'm not really buying into them, but I, th- I think they'll make it. Like barely like sneak in as the eighth seed or a seven or six? I think if they keep this up, they can get a seven. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they have to keep this. Honestly, if Brooklyn keeps up, they'll be a six, which is... Brooklyn's str- they, they, they might be the story the of the few. year. Yeah. They have to if keep they get, this, if they get this stretch going. And their schedule is really weird. Like we've talked before, like they play some really good teams and they play some really bad teams. And it's kind of like back and forth. So consistency is going to be really key if they want to, you know, maybe push to seven or even six seed. Yeah, let's talk about another team, though. Let's go across the nation to La La Land. The Los Angeles Lakers, LeBron James might miss the playoffs for the first time since his rookie year. Even I don't know why is this going to happen? I don't know why they put a smile on my face. Yeah, you're just you start say. smiling. I'm just, so. I'm just maniacally. Oh, no, I, I'm smiling right with you. I think he's more focused on Space Jam 2 right now. Uh, nah, but <laughs> he, I think he's, he's never been in a position like this. Where with the Cavaliers, even if his team wasn't that talented, you're in the East. You're LeBron. You can get them far, is what it is. Right now, you're in a competitive West with young teams that are emerging that look better than yours. There are players on your team that you don't want, and that's been made public. And you right now you're acting like you don't want to play with those players. And that goes as far as missing on doing stuff on defense, not doing stuff on defense that you should do, and then putting your hands up like they messed up. Then Lonzo ends up, it turns out that he was a key to that offense, which everybody 
just wants him to be a bad player, but he's a good young player that has a lot of potential. He goes out for a few weeks. They just fall off. You get a big win against Boston. When they won that game, I thought that would be a big turning point for them because that seemed huge, like a big team morale win. And since that game? It's led to nothing. They've it lost four of their last absolutely five. nothing. Which is really weird to me because they lose at Philly, which is, a, they first of all, they got blown out, but that's a tough place to play. They lose at Atlanta prior to the All-Star break. That's a terrible is, loss. After going into All-Star break, I said something's starting to look wrong with LeBron because that Hawks loss, oh. it, it was starting to look off. And LeBron said he activated his playoff mode mm-hmm. early playoff this mode year because they are currently three full games out of the last playoff spot in the Western Conference with 22 to play. Joey, what do you think of LeBron activating his playoff mode early? He's a liar. He's a liar. He's a You're liar. calling LeBron a liar? If he activated playoff mode, you play defense in the playoffs. Not only do you play defense, but in the playoffs, he averages like 33, 10-10 almost. And, like, again, he's he's kind of getting those empty stats where he's, you know, he's getting some triple-doubles or close to triple-doubles in a couple of these games. He's not leading anything. He's not playing defense. He's not playing defense? He's not playing defense. It's, it's Elaborate, like said, he is it's, literally. It's even worse than usual where he used to get chased down blocks and play defense when he needed to. Now he's not getting chased down blocks. He's not even defending when he needs to. He's standing he in just, the middle of the lane. And then yeah. he looks around acting like somebody will miss a layup. Who's got my man? Somebody will miss a layup and he'll walk back on D. He'll drop his head, take a slow step, and then just start jogging back slowly. And then he likes to blame others. And that's a big Joey problem. Joey is very me. anti-LeBron. I really don't like that. He, when he's, I see, he's putting it on himself. Like what Malik said, I, I really hate when players, you know, they'll they'll make a mental mistake or something and they, they don't play defense for a play. And then all of a sudden they look at another teammate, they shake their head, they shake their hands. What are you doing? What are you doing? Well, you're setting a bad example. LeBron is basically the parent of this team, this franchise. He is supposed to set the example for these young guys. What is he setting an example of? Playing no defense? Yeah, I'm, trying I'm, to be a L.A. star? Do you I, think there's still a disconnect between LeBron and the young players, especially since it's clear that LeBron and Anthony Davis have something going on? Yeah, I, and I'm yeah. sure I'm sure all the talks do not help LeBron's case at all. And the other part, too, is I think LeBron thought with this talent that it would have been a cakewalk. Exactly. I was. He's at a point where he's never been on a team where the talent isn't up to what he wants and they still can't make the playoffs. In Cleveland, he could always make the playoffs because the East wasn't as strong as the West, and he was LeBron. Now, he he doesn't know how to react. His he's blaming guys because what what do you do when you're when you're in this position and you're LeBron? You've never been in this type of position. Yeah, he's usually just a calm leader that gets everything in order. But and his only saving grace is going to be the injury. If they miss the playoffs, he can say. You know, I oh, was yeah. injured for so many Le- games. LeBron, which is true. LeBron fans, will, is, they're going to say that for which, the rest which of the season. Which is true. I LeBron mean, is injured, and he's not the same. It does probably take some momentum away. It takes some wins away. But you can't use that as an excuse. You're the best player in the league. Yeah. You can't call yourself the best player in the league and not play defense. I just I can't get behind that. He better start dropping 40 <laughs> along with triple-doubles because he, he has to make up for what he's been doing. Are you guys betting against LeBron and Lakers making the playoffs right now? No. Yes. Yes. 
I'm still Joey with the hot take. You're saying LeBron misses the playoffs for the first time since his rookie year this season. I still yeah. think there's Who gets a chance in? Who's they make eight? the playoffs. I'm with Malik. I'm not ready to trust the Kings. I'm to not betting be against at that level. Well, there's also although they the they're a good young team, and they're surprising. Yeah, and the Clippers are the Clippers are the eighth too, seed right now. Kings are about a game or a game and a half behind. They're them. still the factor of this is LeBron James, and these are really good young players on the Lakers. How do you not make the playoffs? They're still that thing. Yeah. So, I I still have to believe they get in seven or eight somehow. They pull off a little streak where they I I don't know, man. This if they don't make the playoffs, this will be one of the biggest busts in NBA history. Well, they'll get a Easily. win tomorrow because they're playing the Pelicans. Uh, you know, don't, no, 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 you sure? <laughs> you sure? Because uh, the Pelicans blew them out last time they played, which I know, was two games ago. A- Anthony Davis this time, he's like, oh, shoot, I, sh- I shouldn't you have done that. can't play that, that one. I- Go ahead, LeBron. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's, it's a mess right now. Like I said before, Magic Johnson and Rob Palenka are sweating bullets, <laughs> staring at each other like, what do we do? They got They have to strike gold this summer or they're in <laughs> uh, serious trouble. Yeah. Um. Yeah. There's a big matchup on March 15th, too. What? Lakers versus Pistons. Ooh. Oh, I hope the Pistons win. <laughs> I'll be rooting hard for the Pistons in that one. That'll be a fun one. Um, Is it here? Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Oh, man. Let's the go. Lakers have a tough schedule, though. If you look at, okay, so uh, after the Pelicans, they play the Bucks and they have the Suns. Clippers, Nuggets, Celtics, Bulls for an off game, Raptors. Oh, yeah. That's not easy at all. Knicks, nah. Bucks, Nets, Kings. But they've shown they, they can drop games to bad teams. Jazz and Pelicans. So they have a tough schedule. Before we get off the airwaves, we've got about four minutes left. I want to get Malik's opinion on something. I have a question. Oh, I forgot about him. the question. Okay. Malik. I'm not ready. As of right now, are you going to finally buy into the Milwaukee Bucks? They're 45 not in the playoffs, and 14. They're the best. They have the best record in the entire NBA. They have the potential MVP winner in Giannis Antetokounmpo, yeah. Yeah. potential Coach of the Year winner in Mike Budenholzer, who yeah. you doubted big time this past summer. I did. He's a really good coach. What more do you want them to do to buy into them? Get him another superstar. So right now you're not buying into him. In the weak Eastern Conference, you don't think they're the best team? Once we get to the playoffs, no. Who do you think is the best team right now? I think Philly and Boston will be better than them. You in the think playoffs. Boston, who's currently the five seed in the Eastern Conference? Maybe not Philly because Brett Brown could get in the way. So maybe not Philly, and then maybe not Boston. Those those rosters are, those rosters are built for playoff pushes. Right now, Philly plays Boston, so that could also hurt. Yeah, but but it helped the Bucks. So you're not you're not bought in. You're still not bought in. They teams change. Milwaukee in the playoffs. can Milwaukee can literally do nothing. This to is a, your this opinion. is a fantastic regular season team, but. Now, until we get to the playoffs, I have to I have to see them maintain it in a seven game series, which is a completely different thing. Teams teams fold in the playoffs. Some teams rise in the playoffs. All right, I've never seen a team like this rise in the playoffs. Okay, I guess we'll have to see. You need superstars. Malik's gonna have to eat his words when the Along Bucks advance really to coach. the NBA Finals, and uh, then get ran off the court by the Golden State Warriors. Anybody's gonna get ran off the court. It's gonna be a sweep in the finals yet again. I don't think I don't think they'd sweep Boston. I don't think Boston's getting out of the semis. I actually don't think they'd sweep anybody in the East. I think I think the East would just I think knock the, a game. Well, I think the toughest competition for the Warriors might be Philly, just matchup wise. Um, That's why if Brett Brown doesn't get in the way, Philly. Why is, do you think Brett Brown's going to get in the way? Because he has before. In what way? I think last year Brad Stevens made Brett Brown look like a middle school. Coach. You know that's the correlation between. 
past last season and this season is very drastic when it comes to the coaching of it, Brad Stevens. It's not like it's not like Brett Brown is a bad I think Brad Stevens is still a phenomenal coach. Oh, I do too, but I'm his, saying his, he roster, struggled this his, year, though. his roster is awkward. Yeah. I'll I'll keep saying with Jason Tatum, Gordon Hayward, and Jalen Brown, there's no way for that team to run completely smoothly. One of those small forwards would have to go for them to reach their full potential, and that's that's not gonna happen. Yeah. They're all gonna be there. Uh with a couple minutes left, out of these top five teams, Milwaukee, Toronto, Philly, Indiana, and Boston, who is the best first round matchup for Detroit and why? Joe. Did you include Indiana in there? Yeah. Indiana. Why? Because they're the least talented. They're without their best player. Even with their 40-21 and 21 record? It's mm-hmm. currently third seed in the Eastern Conference? Without yeah. Victor Oladipo. Without Victor I think Oladipo, they are more of a team-oriented. Going, going into the playoffs, I don't think they'd be fully equipped for a seven. They don't have a guy that can just take over in a seven-game series. They don't have and, that go-to and, score. And exactly. Get a, get a bucket. I, I agree with you. They do They do have really good depth, and I think that's what's gonna, That's what's helping them a lot in these games. But, yeah, I think when you get into a, a playoff game and games are close and you, you need somebody you need, to yeah. score, granted, I don't know if the Pistons necessarily have that. I know Blake has been playing really good they out of his mind. Blake, yeah, they do. But, yeah. I, feel but like I don't know if in clutch time that Blake is that go-to guy necessarily. He he's had, I mean, he, he will be. Shots. He will be for sure, but I'm just saying – this season, he's had big-time shots. Because he's relied on, he'll hit some. But He has already this yeah. season. The track record this year. In Los Angeles, Chris Paul was the go-to guy in the clutch, and he hit a lot of clutch shots. But, yeah. now, but that just also makes my yeah. point, too, that Blake, I mean, Blake, Blake is Blake way Griffin's better time. than whoever Indiana's go-to scorer would be That's in that true. situation. Yeah. Would you pick the Pistons to win that series? They'd have a chance. I'd, I'd, I'd probably pick them to win that series. I think that's the only way the Pistons can make some noise in the playoffs. They have to get lucky in matchup. Unless Indiana. Nate McMillan just pulls some insane stuff and gets something out of a player that just, like, he just pulls Tyreek Evans back up to 25-5 and five for a whole series. Well, he that just would needs be to something start crazy. Him. He just needs to start him. Yeah. Darren Collison. No, I'm not <laughs> fighting for him. Oh, we got about a minute left, Malik. I know you, you, you wanted to bring something up. I wanted to bring something up. You did. Oh, yeah, I wanted to bring something up. Robert Kraft's been in the news. Prostitutes. <laughs> what? What's your opinion Listen, on the whole Robert Kraft situation? In general, there's something about old billionaires that it's just not. It's something wrong about old billionaires. They they don't have much to do. They just get bored. They want to find fun things to do. It, it is what it is. But it's it's. <laughs> Hilarious. It is what it is. Patriots fans are going to find reasons to think he's innocent or find reasons to think he, he he's okay for doing what he's done. But listen, he's he's been aligning himself with he's been wearing gold chains and I, I don't know, Robert Kraft. He's he's an old billionaire. Yeah. They do they do odd things. NFL <laughs> owners. What are you going to do with them? Always in the news. Well, that's going to do it for our show this week. That's all we got for you. It's February 26, 2019. We will see you guys next time. MVP PG. LSU just beat Tennessee. Keep watching them.